Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, July 1st, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. Sarah Abbott's joining us uh, today. Sarah, a lot of controversy about you that I want to get to in a moment about uh, the weekly quiz. I'm Buster only working from my home studio in New York. Sarah Everyone's. Are, are you feeling like because your percentage points ahead of Taylor that you don't want to do the weekly quiz? Okay, here's the thing. It's been a series of unfortunate events on <laughs> why I haven't been able to be at the quizzes. I am not afraid. And also, I would like to issue a score check because I feel I have gotten more than two correct. In fact, I'm sure I at least got three right. And so I would like to do a score check. Wow. Well, you're you are calling for uh, instant review, a replay review from uh, Todd Radom. Who you're appealing to? Because Todd Radom is the one who runs the quiz and keeps the score. And he explained to us the other day he's got a whole color coding thing going on, Taylor. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Sarah, I told her about what we discussed on uh, on Wednesday's pod in the office, and she about threw her computer across her cube and said, I'm going to go back and find all my wins and I'm going to present them to Todd. So, Sarah, I welcome you to, to come with the receipts because Todd was adamant that his his score is correct. I will come with the receipts because I know I for sure got three right. Okay. It's debatable four, but three for sure. And I'm ready. In Cleveland on Thursday, the Guardians and the Twins, it was tied three-all, bottom of the ninth inning, and this happened. Here's the payoff delivery. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to right center. Did he do it? Goal! A walk-off, towering two-run home run to right center for Andre Simenez. That, of course, Tom Hamilton, WTAM 1100. With the New York Yankees on pace to break a single-season record for wins and Aaron Judge on pace to threaten Roger Maris' team record of 61 home runs, it's no surprise the Judge is the top vote better among all players in the first round of the All-Star balloting that concluded on Thursday. We're going to have a conversation with Jessica Mendoza coming up about whether or not uh, he should be the American League MVP as of today. The Yankees and Judge were in Houston yesterday for a game against the Astros, and this is what happened in the bottom of the third. Here's the 0-1. Swing and a drive, left field, pretty deep, and it's off the wall. Myers will score easily. Diaz skips into home. It's a two-run double for Bregman on a banger. That, uh, of course, Steve Sparks, Sparksy, KBME, 790 AM, Astros uh, win 2-1. to one. Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer have taken the next steps toward returning to the Mets rotation. Scherzer threw a rehab game the other day. He's expected to start on Monday if everything goes well. And Jacob DeGrom threw pitches to hitters in Florida on Wednesday, and he could make a minor league rehabilitation start on Sunday. Their division rivals, the Phillies and the Braves, played on Thursday. The Phillies blew out Ian Anderson in the conclusion of this series with help from a rookie. One, two. Swung on, hit deep. Right field. Duvall turns. He looks, and it is gone. And there's the first major league home run for Derek Hall. It's his first hit in the big leagues as well. Hey, go ahead, Derek. It's a dozen tonight for the Phillies as Derek Hall gets in on the act. The pitch. 
And he swings and drives it to right. It's pretty deep. And that one is gone. Derek Hall yes, with his second sir. big league hit. It's another homer. Yes, sir. That sound from Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm sure we'll be talking on Sunday night about Derek Hall and his unusual path to the big leagues. We're going to be talking with Sunday night play-by-play man Carl Ravitch coming up. Pirates and the Brewers. Micah Perez had a great day. Here's the 1-0, and Perez hits one deep to right. Oh, my goodness. Michael Perez hits his third home run of the night. (laughs) Yes, sir. We've witnessed history again. That from Sports Radio 93.7, the fan of the Pirates win this game 8-7. Tough day for the Brewers. Another injury to their rotation. Adrian Hauser left Thursday night's loss. With right elbow tightness, they're going to be evaluating that later today. The Dodgers and Padres in Los Angeles last night. Manny Machado is back in the lineup as the DH for San Diego. But Justin Turner got the big hit. 1-1. Fly ball, center field. Christian going back. Way back, way back. And it is gone. A home run. And two home runs in 34 games. He's three for three tonight. Three for three for Justin Turner as he continues to turn around his season. The Dodgers went three to one, and they pad their lead over San Diego in the National League West. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, we've been talking about these uh, podcasts we are doing in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha production. We'll talk about another one right now, Courtside Club. Grab your popcorn and sit courtside with host and influencer Rachel Demita as she chats with the biggest athletes, celebrities, influencers, and creative minds. Rachel and her guests dive deep into sports, pop culture, and the experiences that made them who they are today. That is Courtside Club. You can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. All aboard. It's the Revy Train with Carl Ravage. The Ravi train is coming in hot. Play-by-play man on Sunday Night Baseball, Carl Ravitch. Uh, Ravi, how you doing this week uh, in advance of our game, Cardinals against the Phillies on Sunday night? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we had, you know, good number of people watched last week's game. We had the whole Freddie Freeman stuff. The Braves are hot. It's July 4th. You know, it's kind of 
our sport now. I mean, Wimbledon's going on, but it's it's our sport that's that's dominating the headlines. The NBA is 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 off a little bit. The hockey is off. So I'm I'm looking forward to the next few months of, of focus on baseball. And Sunday nights are really cool way to go. Cardinals are damn good again in the Central, and the Phillies are a fascinating team for for a lot of reasons. So I'm I'm in a good spot. I hope you are. Oh, totally. I mean, the Cardinals to me are, are, you know, a club that I look at as being of great potential. When you look at how the young players are developing, uh, there is a clear need. uh, And this came out in our conference call yesterday to prepare for Sunday night for St. Louis in the rotation, given, you know, Jack Flaherty's issues that are going on. Uh, And the Phillies are are kind of at that tipping point. You know, do you, theoretically, do you become – Buyers, sellers, depending on what went on with Bryce Harper. Uh, you know, he just had surgery. But as we talked about on the call, and Philly's owner, John Milton, is not a guy who's going to sell. He's going to charge ahead. Um, there's just a lot of stuff to look at, including this great pitching matchup that we're going to have. Zach Wheeler against Adam Wainwright, who's going to set a record by making his 17th start on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, he's Mr. Sunday Night. I mean, we know there's Mr. Saturday Night. He's Mr. Sunday Night. Um, 17 times with a really good record. Your point's really well taken about the Cardinals, though, and and the influx of young, impactful players. Um, You know, O'Neal and Carlson and Donovan and Bader uh, combined with kind of that middle-aged veteran group that's tremendous with Arenado on one corner and Goldschmidt on another – and then you combine that with Molina, who's obviously out, and Wainwright, and Pujols. Like they're generationally uh, a, a nice mix, and and it really works. But their ability to to be good now for the next, gosh, I don't know, three, four, five years. Obviously, money's not a problem with the organization when they need to go out and spend and get a free agent. And yet they develop within. I I don't know what the exact number Eduardo Perez put on, but. Their position players, it feels like, are about 90% homegrown. And that's that's hard to do. And I know Arenado and Goldsman came from different places, but the number of homegrown guys within that organization making an impact is extraordinarily high. And that's a credit to their scouting and front office and the way they do things in St. Louis. And I'm sure it's infuriating to many other teams, especially in that division. Because there is a uh, there's a metronome quality to the success or sustained success of the Cardinals. Yeah, and when we get to this time of year, uh, leading up to the trade deadline, uh, all the sellers will basically be going for the same thing: cheap, major league ready talent. Like that is the absolute top of the mountain. Guys who are ready to perform in the big leagues. And if you're John Mazalock and you're sitting there talking with the, you know, the Oakland Athletics about Frankie Montas, or you're calling the, the Cincinnati Reds about Luis Castillo, and you need to start up for that rotation. Oh, you want major league ready talent? Guys are cheap. How about Dylan Carlson? How about Yepes? Right. How about Donovan? Yep. How about Gorman? I mean, you have so much to deal from in a way that other teams don't. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's because they played and it's because they've had success. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of bunch of first year, second year players who play, and you look at them and say, probably not ready or not nearly as good. But the Cardinals and I, you know, in a world in which analytics drives everything, the, the question you have to ask about the Cardinals is, are those guys as good as their perception? Meaning, do the numbers back up? Donovan is really good because we were in meetings with Ali Marmol Buster, and 
The question that they would ask is, is he going to be a defensive uh, asset? Is he going to be a defensive liability? Do we take the bat and deal with some of the deficiencies that we hope to see develop over time defensively? He hasn't been a problem defensively. He's come up with big hits. So over a period of time, will will it bear out that he is a really good major league player who can do both? Or will time suggest he's just a really good hitter and you have to kind of move him around defensively or hide him? So that's what I think that's the question I'd ask about the Cardinals is the the validation of these young guys who all are doing really well. And there have been missteps. I mean, look, Carlson and O'Neill have obviously, they've had their down periods this year. And yet the perception, the Cardinals are winning. Those guys are contributing. Therefore, they're an asset to a team that may be willing to trade a major league ready quality player for a major league ready player who may be of long sustained quality. That's kind of where I would go with the Cardinals players. It's, you know, did they do a great job of, of advertising their goods? Do they do it better? Is the system rigged in a sense that those guys look better than they really are? I, that's that's what I would I would kind of ask if I were a front office guy in another team saying we're going to give up we're going to give up Montas and we're going to get back this. What are we really getting back? Have we have we done enough sort of time testing on these players? And and maybe that's part of the whole business model. You don't have time. That this is part of the risk reward thing. And there's a great menu of talent to choose from. Yepes, uh, you know, earlier this week, he showed his power, you know, the, hitting the two home runs in one game, pointing at the dugout, you know, putting up two fingers. Uh, Gorman's got ridiculous power. Carlson has a range of skills. But the guy who's really jumped out to me, and maybe it was because, uh, you know, Ollie told us about him or other things that I've heard, or maybe because he played so soundly in the game that we had on that Sunday night in Wrigley Field, is Donovan, who to me, Carl, when I walked away, I'm like, that guy reminds me of Ben Zobrist. Like, he's a ball player. Like, you could yeah. put him in right field. You could put him at second base. Yep. You could put him at first base in a, you know, with uh, with one out. And, and whatever decision he's going to make, he's going to make the right decision. Well, I agree with that. There was some level of concern, and, this, and Ollie made – made no secret of it. There was some level of concern. I mean, we, we had done Cardinals games before Gorman was called up and we obviously said, when is he coming up? And they said, well, when he's ready, it's a little bit like, like Ron Washington for years had good players and people would always go to him and say, you know, when is he, is is he ready? When's he coming up? Is he going to play shortstop? Is he going to play second? Not ready, not ready, not ready. And in the case of the Cardinals, there was a little bit of that with Gorman. And the, and yet most people would look at the numbers and say, well, wait a minute. The numbers suggest he is very ready. And I think we, we run into a conundrum when you look at minor leaguers who are hitting. That, that's the tangible aspect of a player that you can say, we need those homers. We need that on-base percentage. We, we need this where the front office and the general manager looks at it. I appreciate that we need all of those things, but we also don't want to have deficiencies on the defensive side. It's great to add runs, but we don't want to give up runs defensively. And I think most fans get caught up in the offensive numbers. I mean, that's that's what this game is about. Who's going to produce when they step in the batter's box as opposed to who's going to catch the ball 15 feet to their left versus the one that's only going to get it 12 feet. So in Gorman's case, that's that was the internal debate. When do we 
When do we make the move and bring him up and deal with what we know may be deficiencies defensively, but we're going to trade it off for a great bat? Uh, I'm with you. And look, I'm, Gorman's not Tommy Edmond, but how about Tommy Edmond? I mean, like that, like that, to me, that guy is everything about the Cardinals. He's their best second baseman. He's their best shortstop. He's on base. He leads the league in war. And Tommy Edmond is, with all due respect, not a name that you would associate with the best players in baseball. Just not. And that's what the Cardinals, to me, that's what they do. No doubt about it. And I'm hoping that Tommy uh, makes it to the All-Star game. I'm also hoping that Adam Wainwright uh, makes it to the All-Star game. Carl, I, I find myself in this era of uh, rel- relief pitchers that throw 102 miles per hour and sort of spraying the ball all over the place. I love watching Wainwright pitch, uh, the artistry of it, you know, the, the curveball that he throws, which is what distinguishes him. I've been working on a story about uh, his relationship with that pitch, which goes back to when the, the summer he turned 13, when his older brother Trey showed him the grip on a pitch, and he immediately took to it, you know, and as he said to me in a recent conversation that was on the podcast last week, you know, that uh, in the end, his whole career is really built around that pitch. I asked Joey Votto about it the other day, and he texted back, it feels like someone is standing on a ladder and dropping it over the plate, it's really difficult to discern where it's going to land, ball or strike. The height of the pitch separates it. And, and Carl, <laughs> we know that hitters are confused, especially you know, this, uh, this generation of hitters that is so focused on hitting high velocity. Uh, we know that they're confused because Adam Wainwright throws the highest percentage of cold strikes than any other pitcher. And, and I think that really says something. So I'm looking forward to watching him. I'm looking forward to watching Zach Wheeler. I think, look, anytime Adam Wainwright's on the mound, you're looking at a quote-unquote pitcher. Um, There's no he's a thrower versus he's a pitcher debate. He's a pitcher, and he's an artist out there, and he uses a pitch that very few uses effectively. You know, it's funny. I think once we discovered that Wainwright was going to be the guy that's going to pitch on Sunday, I was watching a uh, Nick Pavetta game, and his ball does similar. It, It falls off of a ladder. I mean, it goes from head to toe. Uh, and obviously it does it right around the 60, 60 feet, six inch mark. Um, yeah, all the things you say are, are valid, but he's a thinker too. You know, he between he and I know Molina's out, but between he and his catcher, you're not only dealing with trying to hit something that's very hard to hit, you know, you're dealing with uh, a pitcher wordle game. He, he's out thinking you. He's causing you to guess. He's He's asking you to to answer a riddle, like which pitch, which time, why am I throwing a curveball here? I am going to throw a, a fastball at 94 here, and it's not 100. Um, that, that's the beauty of a veteran guy, and I, I have noticed with you, Buster, in particular, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're into nostalgia. You're into these veteran players and their value, and I don't know if that's reflective of, of our age and, and your age, but you do – harp on the success and the longevity of these guys, Molina and Pujols and Wainwright. And there is, there is something that we all need to pay attention to when the Cardinals and those guys and others like those guys play because they're not here forever and, and appreciate what they're able to do still at the, the best level that they can do it. All right. I cannot believe 
that uh, four days or five days after our Sunday night conversation around Freddie Freeman, you know, the weekend in Atlanta when he was weeping from the first time he spoke with reporters all the way to the eighth inning of uh, the game on Sunday night when, you know, cameras caught him standing in the box with tears in his eyes. We're, we're still talking about Freddie Freeman and his emotions. And that's because, uh, as we subsequently learned, uh, he uh, moved on past his previous agents at Excel. Uh, and then every day it feels like there's a new story around it. And yesterday, Casey closed the head of the Excel agency and the lead negotiator in Freeman's deal with the Dodgers and the conversations with the Braves that didn't go anywhere. He issued another statement I will not stand by as the circumstances surrounding Freddie Freeman's departure from Atlanta are mischaracterized. Since March, the Braves have fostered a narrative about the negotiations, which stated plainly is false. Uh, and then he went on from there and, and uh, you know, described to our Jeff Passan uh, his perspective on how those negotiations play out. And Carlos, someone, you know, I've been reporting on this since the middle of March, and I just had some points to make about this. First and foremost, it's clearly that Casey's client, Freddie, was unhappy with what occurred. And in the end, he did not get what he wanted. You know, whether Casey wants to disagree with Doug Gottlieb or what we've reported, the bottom line is, is that Freddie was not happy with how this turned out. Second, if the Braves were his first choice, then how did he wind up with a second choice for less money, for a contract that was longer than what the Braves offered. That makes no sense. Third, I will say this, as someone who's been reporting on this, uh, XL Casey declined repeated opportunities to discuss this. So if a quote-unquote false narrative developed around this, they caused this. (laughs) XL wouldn't respond to this information in March. They wouldn't respond to it at the beginning of the week when Freddie uh, came to be listed as being self-represented. And fourth, and I think this is something really important right now to talk about, if XL truly has Freddie's interest at heart now, and that's what he deserves, given that he's paying them for negotiating this deal and will for years to come, then they should stop talking about it. They uh, might say, hey, you know what? Uh, We're just going to set this aside to the wintertime because for this to go on and on and on uh, only hurts this. Casey's statements have only given this more oxygen, Carl, as week's gone along. What do you think? Uh, well, I'll start at the beginning. Uh, the, I would say that any, any group, any individual, any entity that believes that somebody is saying something that is, in their world, wholly false, uh, you have to defend yourself. Uh, if somebody's accusing me of something that I believe and I know in my heart to be false, uh, I have to say something. It's it's every time somebody is accused of a crime, you do wonder, and I understand the lawyer up part of it. You do wonder why the hell aren't you on the top of a mountain screaming, "I didn't do it"? Why aren't you doing that? So in this case, if that's if that's what I'm led to believe that XL believes, then I don't blame them for defending themselves. I would do the same thing. So that that part of it, I don't have a problem with them doing it. Um, could they and should they have been more transparent? Sure. Uh, that, that seems to be something that would have, would have benefited everybody. Absolutely. Freddie did not like the way this worked out. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm in a position where, Buster, I've represented myself for many, many, many years. And I always 
you know, I think that there are pluses and minuses to that, but the, the one undeniable aspect of it is you are in the middle directly of any negotiation. Anything that's being said is said to you and not some third party. So I struggle with a client who is trying to and professes to say, I want to be a member of the Braves, uh, somehow not taking more charge of his own life. And that if that means I have to, I have to cut Excel out and pay them, I don't care. But for, for my own happiness, for my family's happiness, for my wife and child's happiness, we need to stay in Atlanta. So what do I need to do to make sure that that happens? That, that's how I look at this. So I, I can't just blame an agent for that. I have to look at the player and say, well, you didn't do enough to make sure. I don't care what the agent is telling me. I don't care that he says, we're getting close. It looks pretty good. Don't worry about it. Uh, at some point, you've got to read the tea leaves and realize this. It's just, it's a. It's taking too long. Uh, you, I don't want to go down the road of wow, the deal. Like I'm, it's not nearly enough money. I, you know, that's BS. To all this stuff is is enough money. You know, there there are agendas with unions, and we need to make certain amount, and that guy's making more. Again, you've got to pick which bed you want to sleep in. Do you want to sleep in the bed that you and your family love every night, making? more money than anybody has ever imagined you making, or do you want to make the most money and put yourself at risk on this tightrope of may not go your way. So, you know, part of me is a little bit down on, on the player in this case, and this is Freddie Freeman, but anytime a player gets pissed at an organization because that organization quote unquote, didn't respect them. I, I don't like that stuff at all. I'm sorry. I don't, if you wanted to stay there, Figure out a way to stay there. If you have to get rid of your agent, get rid of your agent. And on your last point, uh, it's, you know, sure, everybody should stop talking about it. Let's let's move on. Um, but I think we've maybe moved past the, if they had Freddie Freeman's best interest at heart. This, this thing has blown up so much, it's hard to think that they're going to be, uh, you know, copacetic in the way that they treat each other when there's going to be any level of respect. This thing has just exploded where you really just need – if I'm Freddie, I stop talking about it. And yeah, if XL, that would be the right thing to do. Enough, move on. But they're trying to protect their future and their and their clients that are currently there. And I'm now look. There's a lot of clients, as you know, represented by XL who swear by them. You know, and they have. Yeah, they came out yesterday. Uh, you know, Derek Jeter represented for years and years by Casey Close came out and talked about uh, glowingly about Casey's uh, integrity and everything he's doing. I saw other players on social media as well, for sure. To your point about Freddie representing, that's exactly what Chipper Jones told him last August, Carl. And then that we, we published that in, uh, in March. Yep. He felt the same way that you just laid out. I would love to hear from Casey to answer that simple question. If we, they all knew that Freddie wanted to go to the Braves, how did he wind up with a second choice for less money yep. over a longer yep. term contract? Really simple. Uh, but to this point, they haven't answered that question. Um, right. So uh, yesterday we started to get some rumblings about a possible Juan Soto deal with the Washington Nationals. Uh, you know, he's a Scott Boris client. Uh, if there's a deal, it'll probably be over for, over four hundred million dollars. And when I saw this, Carl, I, I thought it made absolute sense. We talked earlier in the year about 
If you're the incoming Nationals ownership, it's a team that's been up for sale and there's a lot of talk about progress being made in that end. I want resolution of Soto's situation. I either want him signed or I want the previous regime to trade him. One way or the other, you got to figure out what's going to happen with him. Yes? Yes, you absolutely have to figure out what's going to happen with him. There, there has to be some resolution. And it's an odd, it's an odd time because there, there's very little resolution to the Washington Nationals. You know what I mean? They, they don't know what their, their team is going to be in the future, who's going to own it. Uh, they're clearly not anywhere near where the other teams in that division are. But, yes, you've, that, that, to me, that's step one because I would think that as a, as a potential owner of a franchise, um, if Juan Soto is a part of it, that, that, that's an answer I need because that's, that's either a financial burden or a foundational piece that we're going to build around when I take ownership of this team. So there's, there's just so many periphery questions surrounding the Nationals. But, you know, I think we all recognize if you're going to go down the Juan Soto negotiation road, um, and even though he's still very young and early in his career, there are certain barriers that you've got to be able to haul yourself over. One of them is $400 million. And I'm not comfortable necessarily sitting here saying anybody deserves 350 400 200 you know, 370 whatever the like, – I, I don't know. I just know what what our uh, our prior players who have shown some of those you know qualities and reached those numbers get, and he's that's where he's at. He's a he's that guy. So yes, you've you've got to be willing to pony up. And again, when you start to get to three fifty, this is this is kind of the Freddie Freeman conversation. If you start to get to three fifty, aren't you acknowledging uh, to me that well, if you're willing to go to three fifty and you're still negotiating, you're you're probably willing to go to. Three seventy-five, four hundred. Like, so yeah, that that's that's what he's gonna. That's to me what he's gonna get. And as hard as it is to sit here and say, "Are you crazy? You just turned down three hundred and fifty million dollars." We live in a world of crazy. Baseball salaries are crazy. Uh, and I'd say this: you know Scott Boris, and I know Scott Boris. He's gonna recognize the leverage in this moment, without a doubt. And if this contract for Soto is anything less than one nickel more than Mike Trout's record-setting number, I would be shocked. And it might be mm-hmm. structured in mm-hmm. an unusual mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. There might be deferred. <laughs> there might be no opt-outs. Doubt. I'm sure there'll be opt-outs in any deal that would happen between Soto uh, and the Nationals because of, of Juan's age. Uh, it's going to be a new benchmark if, in fact, these signs – and I think Derek Jeter, given his experience with the Marlins, would probably recommend to the new Nationals ownership, look, your first move, you don't want it to be to come in and trade the face of the franchise. So get that resolved. Right. Yep. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And he, you know, the other part you have to look at with Soto is well, let's, let's dive into who he is. And you mentioned Jeter, I think it's an interesting one, because Soto, to this point, has been nothing but an exemplary uh, player. And not only that, a player on and off the field. He's so young. He's so dynamic. Uh, there, there are few, and I think this year we tend to overlook Soto because the team is not good at all, and his numbers aren't what they, what they have been. But my God, you throw Soto on any one of these competitive teams, throw him on the Yankees, throw him on the Dodgers, throw him on the Braves, you know, th- throw him on any one of these, put him in the middle of the Astro lineup with, Jordan Alvarez, I think he's the best player on that team. I think Juan Soto 
has as good a year as Aaron Judge is having. I, I think a lot of this has to do with why in the world would anybody throw him a pitch to hit on that team? Seriously. So, uh, you know, he, he is that guy that, that is as good as those players that I just mentioned who are MVP candidates. Juan Soto's that guy. So that's, that, that's why he's going to get the money. And he's, he seems to be, by all accounts, as good a guy on the field and as representative of your organization off the field as you'd like. All right, I'm going to punt on the uh, Rob Manfred question for this week because he's going to be around a long time. We can talk about him next week, Carl. Thanks for doing this. Pleasure, Buster. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jumping into the numbers. This is Himbo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Himbo, of course, Paul Hambikidi is a researcher at ESPN who is the head honcho of the show Get Up. At least that's what he tells us. Uh, Himbo, uh, first off, how are you doing this week? Buster, I am outstanding. In case you haven't heard, in case word had not reached you, Kevin Durant requested a trade. So we've been a little bit busy on Get Up this morning, diving into those, you know, minor details, of course. Yeah, how about that, okay? That, you know, I was scheduled to be on Get Up, but I got uh, canceled because of Kevin Durant. The only saving saving grace is he follows me on Twitter, so. Well, he, he not only follows you on Twitter, but if you ever said anything bad about him on Twitter, he would almost instantly respond to you as he does every other uh, troglodyte on that platform. <laughs> no, I'm not commenting on that because I didn't do, don't want to do anything that possibly interrupt him following me on Twitter. Let's move <laughs> ahead. Uh, I know you well enough to know that this moment the other day in the Marlins game was something you loved. He hasn't motioned yet. I'm nervous right now. Sandy's doing the talking. 
You let him stay out there. Oh, my God. Thank God. Why is my heart racing right now? I'm not even in that meeting, and I'm scared. Screaming at me back to the dugout. On a hop. Birdie's got it. Rojas to first. Double play. It's a Marlins win. And Sandy immediately points to his manager and says, I told you I had it. Marlins win it 4-3. to And that was after Sandy Alcantara got the opportunity from his manager, Don Mattingly, to finish what he started. Hembo, you love this guy. Oh, Buster, that moment really lit my rocket. Very rarely do you see that kind of thing happen in baseball these days, especially that late in a game. And I think by sort of traditional baseball standards, you might say, there are any number of pitchers having great seasons. But there is only one ace this season based upon durability and dominance and this, this, uh, and that ace is that guy. No question about it. Here are some numbers, Buster, that really stand out to me about the outstanding season being had by Sandy Alcantara. The first of which is he's thrown 126 pitches in the eighth inning or later. No other pitcher in baseball has thrown more than 60. Buster, he's gotten 21 outs in 10 consecutive starts. No other pitcher in baseball has done that more than four times in a row this season, over that span, the Marlins are eight and two when he starts. They're thirteen and twenty-one when anyone else does. And perhaps most impressively, Buster, this season he has recorded one hundred and twenty-seven outs. The wow. third time through the order or later, that's thirty-nine more than any other pitcher in baseball. And it's because he can do it well. He's got a two-five-three ERA in those circumstances. The league collectively owns a five-six-zero ERA. In those circumstances, look, the traditional starting pitcher is under vicious attack by people like me and other eggheads who like to run the numbers. But when we have a player that bucks the trend like this, we need to take the time to appreciate what he does and put him at the very top of our list of Cy Young uh, candidates and consider that even at the end of the season when we go to the ballot box. Yeah, boy, the Marlins, you look at them. What a great core of players. And if they spend some money and add to it, then they'll be competitive. Oh, wait, that's what we said back when uh, Derek Jeter's group bought the team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if they spent some money um, in that context, Buster, is as ridiculous as a uh, uh, hypothetical as you could pose in any circumstance. But I agree. The Marlins are a couple, you know, reasonably good, nice pieces away from being right in the thick of that race, the days of which I, I don't think we'll ever see because, we know that there's a track record going back to the beginning of time where ownership, regardless of who that ownership is, is unwilling to do that. All right. There are uh, all kinds of prop bets in baseball. You know, the other one, the uh, other day, for example, you sent me one on Aaron Judge and whether or not he would hit 60 home runs. And that was a fun one. In your eyes, what's the best value on the board in Las Vegas? Oh, I can't believe how good these odds are. Right now, Buster, the Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox are 14 to 1 long shots to win the American League at Caesars Sportsbook. Those are wow. ridiculously good odds. That might be the best team in the American League right this second. They went 20-6 and six in June with a plus 44 run differential. We know that's a great lineup with, at least in my judgment, the best part of the order of any team in baseball with a great manager who maximizes the output of his roster. Now, they've had some uncharacteristic results this year. They already had 18 losses in games in which they've had a, uh, had a lead at any point, that's tied for most in the American League. They've blown 18 leads already, but Alex Cora, man, he's got bullets in that chamber. Chris Sale threw the ball well yesterday. Nathan Yavaldi's coming back. Maybe we'll see James Paxton. Maybe we'll see Garrett Whitlock. You add the kind of arms available to him 
perhaps eventually, whether it be this month or perhaps even later, it's, they serve as sort of additions like you would receive at the trade deadline, except you don't have to give up anything to get them. To me, the Red Sox are every bit as good as they were last season. Last season, they came uh, a game or two uh, away from, of course, going to the World Series. That team, to me, is not a team we should sleep on, even though I think they have almost no chance to win their division. Yeah, but they're feeling good about themselves. I know that because I got a text message from Alex uh, the the other day, basically asking me after he did a radio hit someplace. So you don't think we're very good? Let me get this straight. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Gore with rabbit ears. Say it ain't yeah, so. he's he was messing with me, uh, but uh, that was pretty funny. But I would say all that because of that possibility. If in fact you were to place that bet, would that mean you would run? up to Boston and somehow find a way to get uh, Mr. Houck and Mr. Sale and Mr. Duran vaccinated before that last week of the regular Look, season and maybe a series in Toronto? Look, I've spent way too much of my life talking about whether or not Kyrie Irving will get vaccinated or not. I can't do it with these guys, too. Do I think it's incredibly important, uh, an incredibly important subplot? Of course. Uh, those two guys, uh, for the betterment of their team, should take the shot, at least if we're going to speak of it from, from that perspective but we know that this is a multi-layered eminently complicated issue that I think I'm far obviously underqualified to speak to what I will say is if there's any manager in baseball that can absorb those issues and somehow find a way to galvanize his team around them it is that man that texted you Alex Cora all right the other night I was watching the Yankee game Aaron Judge took a pitch uh, a strike one that was clearly below the knees Aaron Boone was screaming at the umpire teed up uh, for him, an ejection later in the game. This is something that happens often, yes? Yes. I, I find myself often annoyed at uh, Aaron Boone's, we'll call them antics and the dugout. But this is something that I can absolutely get behind, Buster. And there are numbers that illustrate it. Aaron Judge has been victimized by 49 called strikes this season outside oh. the strike zone. 49. Wow. Buster, that's nine more than any hitter in baseball. But But look, this note, gets even better when you consider the context of why Aaron uh, Boone just got thrown out of that game. 36 of those 49 straight calls have been have come in the bottom third in the zone. We're talking, you know, right above or below the knees. 36. Buster, no other hitter in baseball has more than 23 missed calls. This guy is being umped like he's a scrub. And when you consider the context of all that, the season he's having is even more remarkable. Right now, Aaron Judge owns a slugging percentage of over 1,000 on pitches in the upper half of the zone. Over 1,000. Wow. If, if he's able to spit on those pitches at his shins that are being called a strike, look, I think that number 61 is well within reach. And look, umping Aaron Judge has to be a challenge because he's a massive human being. Just like, say, um, uh, officiating LeBron James is a challenge because he's just so much bigger and faster and stronger than anyone else. But this is something that the umps need to get right. And if they do, I think it will go a long way in giving Judge sustainability and durability in the second half of the season as he chases down 61. All right. About your prediction about Judge maybe hitting 61. Uh, just a side note, how's Albert Pools doing with his effort to catch uh, Babe Ruth? Oh, okay. Uh, Buster, we, 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 I was asked to make a bold prediction, a provocative <laughs> statement. It wound up being both. I think the chances of that happening are incredibly unlikely yeah exactly uh phillies and bryce harper uh big issue that we're going to talk about on sunday night baseball is whether or not the phillies should be buyers or sellers before the deadline i was telling my colleagues yesterday i'm like we shouldn't yeah, that no that's not even a conversation because john middleton the owner of the the phillies told us he wouldn't trade zach wheeler for babe ruth 
He's going to go for it. How equipped are the Phillies to handle this injury, though? Uh, Buster, there is no team in baseball less equipped to absorb the loss of its best player over an extended period of time than the Phillies are. Look, Bryce Harper is so good that he's able to cover up all the other blemishes on your roster, and there are a lot of those. Sometimes you don't really need to contextualize numbers to demonstrate how great a player is. Uh, uh, and over his last 162 games, dating back to June of last season, <laughs> Bryce Harper is hitting 326 with a 1069 OPS with 99 extra base hits, Buster. The Phillies have only won 85 games uh, over that 162-game span, and Bryce Harper has accounted for about eight war. So you do the math. Without Bryce Harper hitting like Lou Gehrig, this is a below-average baseball team. And this is not a baseball team that has any multiplicity. This team can win one way and one way only. They're 1-17 in 17 this year when they fail to score three runs. They can't catch. They can't really pitch. I don't think there is almost any chance that in a really challenging National League East, the Phillies can sustain themselves over the next six to eight weeks or however long it is without Bryce Harper, who, for my money, is the best hitter in the National League right now. All right, send your work over to myself, Andy Jacobson, a producer in Sunday Night Baseball, because I'm going to steal your work on Sunday as we have this conversation about how they're going to weather uh, the hmm. injury. Uh, and last one for you, you see a light at the end of the tunnel for the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, I, I indeed do. But what I neglected to mention in my email to you, Buster, this morning is that this uh, topic requires a little bit of setup. So I just would ask that you please rise and remove your hats for the playing of our national anthem. That our flag was still there. Oh, oh, Buster, the Orioles are back. And by that, the Orioles had their first winning month in five years. That's right, Buster. The Orioles went 14-12 and 12 in June. That's their first winning month in which they played at least five games since August of 2017. Buster, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, the last team, to have at least 24 straight such months was the Padres between April 1969 and wow. May of 1974, the first 32 months in that case of Padres history. That's how bad Orioles fans have had it. Now, do I believe that it is a mere coincidence that the Orioles had their first winning month in the first full month of Adley Rutschman's career? No, I don't. I don't believe in coincidences. My only hope is that this sort of run of success, if we'll call it that, will energize a front office that badly needs energized and a uh, fan base that is desperate to get behind Rutschman and some of the other great young players on its roster. So for my boy Taylor Schwink, I just wanted to sort of hype him up a little bit this morning. The Orioles probably have a, a, a decent long way to go, but at least that late, at the very end of the tunnel now, you can see. Yeah, and an interesting dynamic going into the postseason. Taylor, I want you to jump in here. Uh, look, the Orioles clearly have some players on their roster who are not going to be around when the team, you know, fully turns the corner, you know, back into relevancy at some point. And that, of course, is if ownership at some point is willing to spend money. So if you're sitting if, as a fan uh, and you're watching this team play much better with Adley, what would you do with guys like Cedric Mullins, Trey Mancini, other veterans on this roster leading up the trade deadline? Taylor, what do you want to see? I want to see them keep those guys. Absolutely. I, I think if they keep those guys, they have a, a number of other prospects that should probably be playing now that can come up and, uh, and fill some more holes. And, and they have a pair of pitching prospects that are should be decent at best. I mean, they can... 
they can spend a little money and really round this roster out. Now, there's still going to be inexperience that they're going to have to deal with. But I mean, it's they're progressing. It's going to be, a, you know, probably another year or two till they're, until they're truly competitive. But I think it'd be worthwhile to, to keep those guys on the roster. It's really the big question mark as we head into July, into August, what the Orioles are going to do with those guys. Yeah, I my last conversation in person with Alex Cora was about the Oriole pitching staff, and he was going, they got a lot of good arms over there. All right, Hembo, thanks for doing this. Later, boys, and go O. Get World out series. of here, Hembo. That's Sick exactly of Hembo. Right. Jessica Mendoza is an analyst for ESPN. Jess, how you doing this week? Doing awesome. Can't wait to come out east all next week. Yeah, you're going to be hosting Get Up? How about that? Yes. Next week, I already have crazy nerves. I love that show. I love going on it. I know you've gone on it many a time, um, but the location down in New York City and Seaport. and um, But yeah, they asked me to host it. So next week, I'm going to fill in for Mike Greenberg. I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but I always like a good challenge. And I think this is going to be a really good one. So yeah, it'll be uh, fun. no doubt. Yeah. What time? Okay. The show starts at eight o'clock. What time will you, uh, are, do you need to get up? Uh, and what time <laughs> will you get up given the, the nerves that you referenced? I think it'll be, what time do I go to sleep? Because honestly, I don't think I'll sleep. I think I'll just show up at the studio at like midnight and be like, okay, guys, can we start prepping now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's just the way I work for things. All right. I, you, I can, you, you can use this topic for next week because it's going to be something that's going to be around all summer. And that is the conversation around American League most valuable player and the award. Uh, because when you look at the numbers now, Jess, it's absurdly close. Okay. You got Rafael Devers having an amazing season. He leads all players in wins above replacement at 4.1. You have Aaron Judge, who's on a pace to hit about 60 home runs this year. If he approaches 60, 61 home runs, it's going to be the biggest story in baseball throughout August and September. You got Mike Trout, typical uh, uh, Trout. He's right near the top of the leaderboard. He's at 3.9. Jose Ramirez leading the Guardians as they try to win the American League Central again. He's at 3.9. And then there's Shohei Otani who is getting better as the season goes along, both hitting and pitching. He is a total of 4.0 war, 1.7 as a batter, 2.3 as a pitcher. So I'm going to put it to you. Uh, among those five, who in your mind is American League MVP at this point? Aaron Judge. I mean, I feel like Wait especially. A second, but the numbers don't say that. I know. Well, first of all, it depends on where you're getting your war from, because I do feel like that varies from site to site and all the equations that go into it. I understand the value that brings. We're also talking about like point one between each person. So it's not like it's okay. We've got Raphael Devers is at a five judge. Is it a four? Like these are very close. And when I look at most valuable player, I do like the value that they bring to their team in winning. That is like a big thing for me. If I were voting, which apparently in this moment I am, Aaron Judge, the value that he brings to the New York Yankees right now, without Aaron Judge in that lineup, are you kidding me? Like, and as great as that team has been and all the things that they've done right, I think it completely changes when Aaron Judge is not in that lineup. And as much as Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Rafael Devers, I get it. And they're all having terrific seasons and very well could win the MVP as we see as the season progresses. But if you're asking me today, first day in July, like what, what's, what's happening? Like it's Aaron judge for me is definitely the AL MVP. 
So this is going to be an interesting dynamic that could emerge as the season goes along. Uh, Aaron Judge, as I mentioned, if he approaches 60 home runs, I mean, every day it's going to be the Aaron Judge watching baseball, and everyone's going to wonder about him hitting home runs. And that's going to, I think, because the Yankees are having a great season, Judge having a great season, there's a natural inclination to, for folks to believe, yeah, he's the MVP. But I remember just last year when Shohei Otani was a front runner all year, our conversation about Otani and Vlad Jr. was, well, you know what? Otani brings a value on both sides of the ball, you know, hitting and pitching. And that's why Otani wound up being such a, a wipeout winner in the MVP voting. It feels like that we're going to need to apply that again. And if Otani continues to play well, I, I think that statistically we'll be right back to where we were last year. I do think it'll make for an interesting conversation for sure. And I agree. I mean, Aaron Judge is going to get so much more attention, especially as the Yankees keep rolling. And that's what we're seeing right now. And especially as he starts to enter into that home run race. And, you know, once he gets to plus 50, um, you know, with two months to go in the season or a month and a half to go in the season, my biggest thing is the the angels. And you got to remember they had, you know, that push at least in the end where it was a chance, maybe, you know, they could get to the postseason and it completely went away. But like right now, it just, I mean, the frustrations out in Anaheim with the way that the team has been up and down in performance, it's, it's hard to get excited and watch the, the LA angels right now. And especially when you think about as great as Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and all the things they're doing, shoot, the only time they get attention is when they get in like a full on brawl with the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> all right. Uh, Sunday night, we have the Phillies and the Cardinals. I, I think right now with Bryce Harper out of the lineup, Kyle Schwarber is one of the most important players in baseball in terms of trying to keep his team in a race. What are you seeing in Kyle Schwarber? Oh, just even again last night, like just, you know, the home run that he hit. I mean, obviously, and that was like the last, the last day in June. I think everybody's like, hallelujah, get Kyle Schwarber out of this month because of how ridiculous he has been. And, you know, all joking aside, what the biggest thing that stood out to me is you kind of dive into the numbers, like, okay, what's different? What does he change? What, you know, what are all the things, you know, me just getting nerdy with the hitting and honestly that his, his ability to hit off speed pitches in the month of June. And when you look at the comparison, the first two months, of the season. I mean, he has almost doubled all of his numbers. In fact, like I think it's three fourths of the home runs that he he's hit have been against off speed pitches. We've always known the Kyle Schwarber could absolutely dominate a fastball. So what we've seen on how he's been handled is just a plethora of off speed pitches. And that worked in April that worked in May now turned to June. And he was able to really have that patience to sit back on those pitches Plus, his pull side power is ridiculous. So even off-speed, so example, a right-handed changeup against him, he's able to get around it because of the way that his swing works. And now he's getting more fastballs, which we saw last night. He hit out 94 miles an hour, just absolutely hammered. And it's getting back to his cookie zone, zone that where he can absolutely dominate, which is fastball. So he's in a great place right now because he can hit the off-speed. We know that he can always hit the fastball. But where he struggled is breaking balls and changeups, and and at least in the month of June, it's been his pitch. A big moment in the Dodgers and Padres game last night came here when Chris Taylor made a play. Give a listen. White so one in the air to right. Taylor coming on makes the catch. He'll fire home. Here comes the throw. It is in time to cut down Grisham. A double play ends the Padre threat in the second. 
Yeah. So apparently, Jess, from what I understand, you were not able to even go to sleep after seeing this play. Like you were too <laughs> saturated with adrenaline to fall asleep. Yeah. Well, I mean, watching this live, obviously I'm West Coast. So like this is a huge series, you know, both these teams right at the top of the NL West um, and, you know, Dodgers Padres. It's become in the last few years, the the fun little rivalry out here. But my biggest thing as an outfielder is, is when I see, and I mean, you know, Tim Kirchin like channeling him, <laughs> who's always talking about how just good outfield, good, you know, baser, all those things have gone away from the game. And to see Chris Taylor not only throw a ball, by the way, almost 97 miles an hour from right field to make that play, but how he did it, getting behind it, and then the short arm path. We talk about this buster all the time with pitchers. A lot of times outfielders think that they need to have that huge, long windup to be able to throw the ball as hard as Chris Taylor threw it to execute that play. But it was actually two things. It was the velocity and then literally like the pop time. Like as soon as that ball, you hear that with catches, as soon as it hit his gloves, he had an absolutely short, quick arm path to get rid of it. It was, it was unbelievably quick well executed and because he got rid of it so quickly and then of course it doesn't help <laughs> like or it helps that he's 97 miles an hour to home perfect throw it just you don't see that anymore a lot of hitters are being put out in the outfield instead of athletes that can absolutely dominate that position chris taylor and right it was just it was everything you needed to do but I, I literally like clipped it off showed my kids like they're just like thanks mom i'm glad we can have a lesson at like 8 30 p.m <laughs> just of how perfect an outfield execution of throwing someone out at home plate. I would recommend everyone doing that for their daughters and their sons on how to do that. And I'm excited because I know that next week when you're co-hosting Get Up, uh, there'll be no conversation about the NFL draft or quarterback situations. It'll all be about pop time and arm path. Yes, so I, exactly. I, I thank you in advance. <laughs> and of course, hitting. We'll have some hitting demos. I'll make sure there's plenty of bats in the studio so that we can start. I'll be handing actually all of our NFL and NBA analysts bats and gloves. We'll be like, okay, guys, we're going to play a little game. <laughs> right. Forget Patrick Mahomes. Forget Kevin Durant. We're going to talk hitting today. All right, Jess, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a glorious Friday. We have Frank at FBonfig7 writing in. Hello, everyone. Is Julio Rodriguez currently in 12th place for all AL All-Star voting? Everything that is wrong with baseball's marketing and promoting of their stars. One of the most electric rookies I remember watching in recent memory. I don't think so. I think part of it is that Seattle hasn't played well. To this point, they've been one of the more disappointing teams. I think that if there was more focus on the Mariners, there'd be more focus on what he's doing. Um, but I do think that baseball could do a much, much better job of promoting its youngest players. And we've talked over and over and over again about the lack of true collaboration, cooperation between Major League Baseball and the Player Association. You wish they could figure that out. Mm-hmm. Chris at Madison CMT staking out the uh, contrarian position here. Interviews and mic'd up players are not going to save or grow the game. They are silly gimmicks that nobody likes. Just drop it. The game is the game. We just want to watch it. He adds, love you, though. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I would say this, Chris. I, I When you say nobody likes it, that's simply not true. <laughs> when you put any video out <laughs> or any compilation of sound from uh, players being mic'd up, they get huge numbers. It's clear there are a lot of fans who actually do like it. 
And there's some games where it's kind of a dud. You know, we had a game, uh, uh, Patrick Wisdom had, there was some technical problems and it kind of went in and out and it didn't go that great. And there are other games where it's been fantastic. Joey Votto on opening night. Mm -hmm. That was fantastic how great it was. And it's clear from the response of fans, a lot of people enjoyed it. There's three people over here, including Sarah, who's raising her hand to indicate that she likes it. Yes, please speak for yourself, Chris. Um, I don't know who this we is, but it is not true. (laughs) Yeah, and love you, though, Chris. I mean, same thing. It's, you know, everyone has an opinion, which is great. Glad we can be civil here. Uh, David Fitzgerald, last one for the week at Dave Fat Kid writes, and how much trouble should Boston fans and the media give Tanner Houck and Jaron Duran after Wednesday's ninth inning collapse? Oh, Buster, I love it when the Red Sox eat their own. This is great. <laughs> I would say this, you know, and I got some tweets from, uh, and something on Facebook. People are like, you know, stick to baseball. It is baseball. It's a competitive yes. disadvantage, you know, and not going into the, the vaccine or not. But the bottom line is, is that with the Red Sox don't have players available to them and the Yankees do have players available to them, the Blue Jays do have players available to them, it matters on the field. It's affecting what we're watching in the standings and what we're going to see in October. Taylor, you backing me up? Oh, my God, yeah. It's cr- honest. This is, this is weird. The other day, I was looking at our Apple podcast reviews and we get one-star reviews from people being like, talking about COVID, talking about the vaccine. It's impacting the play on the field. We have to talk about Directly. it. Directly. Yeah. directly (laughs) yeah so uh, on that note if you like this podcast let's balance those those one star reviews we've gotten for this chatter please that would be greatly appreciated what do you think buster so i'll tell you that my time as a beat writer you know friends would ask me hey if you hear about something going on with a player off the field you know marriage breaking up an affair blah 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 do you get into that i'm like no don't get into it until they miss a game you know, if they have a court appearance related to that, then you have to mention it because it affects what happens on the field. That's the standard. And so the choices made in this case have affected Tanner Houck, Jaron Duran being on the field might affect Chris Sale in the future. And it, it's a, it's it's part of the dynamic of the competition. There's no getting around that. Exactly. All right. Couple things on the way out. First of all, Fourth of July is on Monday, so we will be back on Tuesday. We will be back on Tuesday with Tim Kirkshin for his YouTube segment on ESPN's YouTube page. And I just want to say, going into a long weekend, everyone, just relax. Just relax. Enjoy your time. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, right. That's easy for you to say. That's all I'm (laughs) going to say. Getting in a car at 7 a.m. tomorrow to go to Philadelphia, you know, to talk to Zach Wheeler. We got Sunday nights. Come back and then get ready to go to Atlanta. Let's go, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you love it, Buster. You you can't take a day off. We talk about you, your vacation days that you're lighting on fire. Uh, Just... You know, whenever you find that time, be like, oh, Taylor told me this was the right thing to do. All right. That's it for today. That's it for this week. My thanks to Ravi, Jess, Hembo, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.